Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution. Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Hey. Hello. Hi. Uh, can you guys Fight hear me? Set. Welcome to Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love and universal consciousness. With your host, Janet Kira Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Together we transform the world. And now, here are your hosts, Janet Kira and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Everybody and welcome to the Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm your host, Janet Care Lesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Lesson, who had to reboot his computer. He'll be with us in a moment. And our producer is Thomas Becker. And our guests today are Kevin Trimble and Elana Ka. And uh, let me tell you a little bit. Uh, let's see what I have here. Well, Kevin's been with us for a while. He keeps coming on, and we love having him here. And he's in the super, uh, secret space program. And he's going to uh, be bringing other people, that, and we're connecting the dots. <laughs> but he had an experience where he was out uh, taking a walk in Ontario, Canada, and a cracked overhead. And he looked up and saw this. Uh, Grayish white triangle shaped craft, like a typical TR3B, except it was grayish white, not black, like the uh, ones here in the United States. 
And uh, to make a long story short, he uh, found out later when he had some recall and regressions that he had been taken on board the ship. And he was part of this secret space program. And he did a public interview in June 2017. And this wonderful fellow, Denny Hunt, helped him uh, track and get his uh, his timeline, they called. And Tony Rodriguez helped him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can can you guys hear me? Yes. How's how you doing? Okay. Uh, okay. Good. Uh, sorry, I was having some technical difficulties myself. Uh, my computer was flashing. <laughs> Literally, the screen on my laptop was flashing as you were talking. So I wasn't uh-huh. even sure if if you could hear me. But um, thank you uh, for the uh, intro. Yeah. Uh, yes. It okay? Uh, can I speak to that? If, is it okay if I just jump right in and just speak to that? Go ahead and jump right in and tell us a little bit about that. And um, I, I'm gonna I just poke my head and see what happened to Sasha. So you talk, and I'll be right right back. Okay, okay? Cool. cool. Thank you. Just two Thank seconds. You. Go yeah, ahead, and take uh, the talking stick. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. I'll take the talking stick. I'll just speak for a moment. Uh, What's interesting about my experience is this happened in 2008, and um, I I know in America and also in Europe, uh, they had the black triangles, and they're quite large. And uh, what I experienced uh, when I was bicycling in southern Ontario, Canada, you know, like a little small town called Cambridge, it's not really that, uh, you know big deal of a town but uh you know it's a a small town and uh, i was just bicycling along and i was actually on my way to college uh, my first semester and uh i i took a break and then all of a sudden i look up and this white triangle was above me but it was a smaller triangle uh than star 3 and uh, I think that's because uh, so far I haven't really heard about people talking about uh, these smaller white TR3s, and they're absolutely real. I mean, I I, uh, I have gotten a couple photos. Um, they've come back, and uh, yeah, there's a smaller white TR3, and I think they're used uh, like they're used in the. Um, Commonwealth countries, and what I mean by Commonwealth is they're used in uh, uh, like Canada, England, um, India, Australia, New Zealand, um, basically the British Commonwealth countries. Uh, they are still very much a superpower, and they're they're also a space power. And um, so do you have uh, a, any idea why they have a different uh, a different color? Is that just for Easy identification of uh, the factions, or no, no, I, I really don't know why they have a smaller uh, TR three, and I don't know why they chose white over black. But uh, I have to speak honestly because this thing has flown over me not only in two thousand eight, but it also flew over me uh, later on. It came back to my house, and. Um, that was in 2015, and, uh, you know, it flew over my house again, and it flew right back, and uh, I've seen this thing, and it's absolutely real, it's physical, it's a white TR3, and um, 
it's just another model. Uh, they have is the, it the TR3 has different models, and they use this to abduct people. That's what that's. Sorry, is it that's responding not- to you? Is it responding to you? Are is it you in particular? Or do you have a communication that's two way with it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, like uh, when I in 2008, I was just bicycling and I wasn't aware of this stuff really. And I just took a break and was drinking like a water bottle <laughs> off my bicycle. And I looked up and I thought a cloud had flown overhead. And um, I looked up and this thing was already on top of me. Like it was just right over the trees, hovering there, this little white triangle. And by little, I mean like 75 feet by 75 feet by 75 feet. That's my estimation. I've been really like Mm -hmm. thinking on this, like going back in my memory because it's it's 10 years now. It's 2018 and this happened in 2008 and it's been 10 years. I've really like thought about this and meditated on this. And um it's not as large as the black triangle, but it's a smaller scaled down, scaled down version. And uh, what I've been kind of coming up with my mind is um, I think this has to do with uh, different factions. And I know Elena can also speak to these um, ICC factions where they have different um, programs running and they have different craft. And in America, the black TR3, which is huge, it's like 300 feet by 300 feet by 300 feet at least. It's it's it's, it's a massive triangle, um, and it's black. And this one was smaller and white. Uh, but when it flew up, uh, when I looked up, I I could see a little bubble over the 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 front of the triangle, and it definitely had a cockpit. And I also have recalls of being in there. In, in the TR3, but uh, it's much smaller. It's because um, they have the anti-grav thing, which is actually probably uh, electrogravitic, and um, it's a smaller white thing. And um, yeah, that that's what picked me up, and it brought me and uh, to you know the moon and the Arctic and Mars, and we can get into that later. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I, I should probably stop right there. Sorry, I was, I was, I just no, jumped that's, right that's, in. That's great. No, I love it because I was on a craft um, in the late '90s, and it was probably about uh, well, it was more like a UFO-shaped craft, you know, the typical, and it was about thirty to thirty-five feet. It, it took up, you know, around, and then I had one on my deck, like hovering above my deck, and I was trying to put that to scale. Now, my deck is about 35 by 30, and this thing just filled up the, the front part of it, and it wasn't round. It was more like a, it looked like a sport model car almost. <laughs> it blew my mind, and it was hovering about uh, 5 to 10 feet off of the deck. And uh, so I was just talking to my girlfriend, and we were doing Google Earth, and I said, there's my deck, and it was like it parked, but it was hovering, and... And, uh, and I've seen this before when I was in Honolulu. So they, they have craft of all sizes. So that thing was, I'd say that was about the size of a small stretch limousine. And it, it parked itself hovering on my por- on my deck in broad daylight. And uh, so, Kevin, the reason I, uh, the reason I was asking about, about why it was, uh, you know, 
whether it was responding to you or not, because Gus, this machine that or, that uh, appeared on our deck, seems to be responding directly to Janet back and forth. They're communicating, and I just wondered if that's why I asked that question. That is a really good question. Um, there's another gentleman. I, I did a roundtable with a, a man by the name of Will Glover, and uh, he has... Um, since uh, since we did a roundtable, me and Tony and Denny Hunt, uh, we did a roundtable, uh, I think, back in September of 2017. And um, we've been corresponding. And uh, he's, had, he's had craft fly over him. And he said the same thing. And I wasn't even aware of this uh, like until recently when he said, hey, by the way, these craft that fly over you might actually be responding to you in a, in a psychic sense, like, uh, but he said mm-hmm, it has mm-hmm. to do with um, AI. Like he says that um, um, there there's still people aboard, but there's also an AI component where the craft is zoning in on people, and but this has to do with an, an artificial intelligence. Right, and and the one that I communicated with, and then my friend worked with Gus, and, and Gus is the the is the delivery is one of the delivery craft from the 47 Roswell incident and there were actually five craft delivered in five major locations to the five major powers of the planet that first week in July kind of like a Trojan horse so anyway uh, I started What's interviewing stand for her what does Gus stand Galact- for Galaxy Universal the uh, something Galaxy Universal Gus system or uh, I don't know I have to ask her again <laughs> I forget what Gus stands for sorry for that um, I don't have it in my head but Galactic or Galaxy Universal Shuttle that's it Universal Shuttle it's a shuttlecraft it's a, it's a shuttlecraft so uh, what was I going to say about Gus oh so Gus talked to me he said I said what kind of beings are on the craft he said oh no 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 I am the craft. So he was independent. He can come and go as he chooses. But that's not to say that sometimes it isn't both on there. Um, but he, he seemed to have some kind of karmic relationship with me. And he and he explained to um, my friend Teresa that he had chosen to incarnate as this uh, vehicle. You know, it was just another form that he could incarnate in. So that was something I had never heard before. Okay, so you were saying that Will Glover thought that it might be you might have some kind of relationship with it you know yeah, if it keeps yeah. coming yeah yeah uh will was saying uh and i i mean this is recent i mean this is just a couple months ago um that him and i connected and uh already had these experiences prior to that but uh he did say he's like the reason why this like small white triangle is flying over your house is uh because there's an artificial intelligence um that uh, knows you from the program, and and he was saying that it's actually a, a kind of drone that picks you up and um, is like a middleman. You know what I mean? Like he, it, uh-huh. sure. you know what I mean? Like it, uh, yeah, like it kind of picks you up and um, you see the craft. Uber, and, uh, it's your Uber, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the Uber. Um, because it it's is your tra- avatar. It's basically your avatar, kind it's of. It's a transport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a transport. And um, on that note, uh, 
I hope Elena is in this conversation. Are you there, Elena? Yeah, hi, Elena. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yeah, I'm just okay, saying. good. Um, well, Elena, just to take things like a step further, right? Uh, aside from the Uber, the, the glorified Uber white tier three or whatever, um, Elena, if we want to really jump into the nitty gritty here, uh, I remember her as an instructor in the program on Mars. If we would just want to, if aside from the craft, if we just want to jump ahead here for a second, uh, like Elena, I had this recall for years. I'm, I'm talking like three, four years back, like 2013, 2014. And um, I, had, I, I had never come across Elena ever before. And then in 2017, I did come across Elena and, and uh, I had this recurring dream where... Uh, were being tested in the pool of water on Mars. Um, they were testing the O positives versus the O uh, negatives. And uh, I absolutely remember Elena. She was an instructor, and um, she was teaching these uh, swimming lessons in a pool of water. But uh, um, it was weird because imagine a teacher where you're expected to be psychic and she doesn't speak, but she's looking at you. <laughs> And she kind of, she kind of sends you these like downloads because um, she's trying to prepare you. I guess a part of it was endurance, and they were uh, a side program was they're just testing O positive versus O negative. They use both, by the way. Um, they absolutely use both blood types for different things, uh, but mm -hmm. um, but they're also teaching people to become empathic because the empathic ones would understand what like uh, Elena was saying, except she wasn't speaking. So imagine, uh, imagine like um, like a swimming instructor that is standing on the edge of the pool, and she gets you to jump in the water, but she doesn't speak. She's just glaring at you, and she's sending you the information. So uh -huh. you have to, so you have to understand. In order to survive in that kind of situation, you have to lock eyes with the person. So what it actually was was they were just teaching us how to be empathic, like like fully. Um, in terms of, you know, receiving a download from someone that makes eye contact and you, and the sensation is you're being pulled into their eyes. They send you information, they tell you what to do and you have to, um, uh, be very receptive. And, uh, a lot of the people that drowned in that, uh, scenario, uh, they were not receptive and that has to do with mental blocks. And, um, I know this sounds strange, but, uh, just to get really into it, uh, people with more masculine personality personality types. Um, it's hard to talk about um, because of the programming in our society with like gender, right? Um, but there's there was males that were more feminine, and there was females that were more masculine. And um, in order to be an empath, you had to be more receptive. So you actually had to be um, kind of feminine in your energy and uh i am more feminine even though i'm very masculine in terms of my body uh, you know you have to be very feminine in the sense of being receptive like willing to lock eyes with someone and kind of receive this download and uh that's how someone like an elena <laughs> an instructor in the program taught you how to be empathic and uh that tr yeah, that's wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, wait, I, I, we, wait, wait, wait. This is uh, 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 
that I, there's a uh, it's bizarre. You uh, you assume that she had your uh, welfare uh, at heart. Is that right? But I didn't have his welfare at heart. She was exactly. just telling us how to get through yeah. the program. It, mm -hmm. it was like a video game, and she was like the one that was telling us how, like, like how to control the program, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh. I was a ruthless instructor. Uh, I have more of masculine energy. I'm in female form, and yes, I'm female. But I have very masculine type energy in how I do things and why. So there's always a calculation in what I do and how I do it and why I do it. There's always a purpose. I never, I don't, never don't have a purpose. There's always some kind of a plan, some kind of a um, thought into what I do and why I do it. So it's the same style that I trained them. They got instructions. And what I wanted them to do is basically activate their life force energy and float, be buoyant above the mm. water so they wouldn't sink. So you had to psychically, energetically hold your body like electromagnetic and anti-gravity. You literally had to float above the water and not drown. You, you wouldn't just swim in the water. That wasn't the purpose. I wasn't teaching them how to swim. They already knew how to swim. I was trying to teach them how to stay buoyant above their water, like levitate mm -hmm. and float above their water in their own personal chi. It's like chi energy, chi bubble. Mm -hmm. If you can't float mm -hmm. above the water, you drown because mm -hmm. this pool had certain type of a gravity force to it. So if you try to just swim basically like you would normal water, you drown. So you had to levitate yourself and keep yourself above the water psionically. That's the purpose. And if you could do that, you had strong psychic and empathic abilities and you survived the test. If you didn't, you drowned. You were thrown into a regeneration tank to revive you. And you had to go back to step one of the program and repeat everything again until you graduate. Wow. So, so what, yeah. what was graduation? What happened when you graduated? What, what, well, what was success? Well, you, you, no, you move on. You, you move on to higher levels of the program and you get to live. If, if, you, if you don't succeed, you're demoted and you basically end up in the lower ranks of the secret space programs and you get, don't ever get the interesting missions. You don't ever go, get to go anywhere. You're just stuck behind a desk on some base. You don't get anything exciting Elena, or, or anything good. This, this, don't you feel the pain of uh, these people that are drowning if you're empathetic with them? Yeah, I, I can't feel the pain, but I, I block that stuff out so I don't feel them. That's the purpose. I wasn't supposed to feel their pain, the guilt, the shame. I was just there as a drill sergeant, cold as ice and not very caring. Because I knew even though they drown, they don't truly die. They're just thrown into the regen regeneration tanks in either green or blue goo to be revived like nothing ever happened to them. They feel the pain. Oh, okay. Far out. Thank you. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> yeah. how these programs on Mars work. I don't call it the interplanetary corporate conglomerate anymore because I've done further hypnosis regression on myself and it's called the planetary corporations. So, uh, yeah. she's, she's right. She's right, by the way. Uh, yeah, you don't exactly die when you fail. Um, yeah, they just bring you back. It's uh, yeah. it's Typical. a whole other thing, but yeah, but it's 
isn't that painful and frightening? I mean, it's like, ah, I'm drowning, and I certainly wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be but, my idea of a vacation. But the, the thing is, when you're put into these programs, you're not there for your personal enjoyment and and personal pleasure time. You feel the pain. You feel the fear. You feel everything amplified and they don't care what you feel, really. You're there for specific jobs and missions, and that's what you do. If you die or if you're close to death, they revive you through their regeneration tanks, holographic medical pods, um, portable meditech units. They have so much technology, they could literally bring you back from the dead. You've died, and they can literally right. pull your soul back into your body. So they don't care about your pain or your fear. They don't. You're there... You're an asset. You're their property for as long as you're there. Not truly a slave. Right. Not a slave. or And not a sex worker or sex labor. But you're an asset. You're, you're like a military asset. Except it's a little worse than that. You don't really have too much freedom. You have some leisure time. Downtime once you've completed your mission to perfection or whatnot. There's a lot of competition in these programs. So, But you're an asset. Your property of the planetary corporations for as long as you work on their basis. Or so have, have, has everybody agreed to do this? Oh, you don't have to agree. It could be done against your will. You don't have to agree to well, it. Then you're a slave. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. No, no. Thank you, Alina. Yes, she said it right there. You don't agree. But you're you not get, a slave. You, That's different. Slaves yeah, are treated you can't worse leave. than assets. You can't say no. Uh, they can't don't say care. no. They don't care about whether you say no or yes to them. They take you. They kidnap you. They abduct you. You don't have yeah. to say. Yeah. But you're That's not a slave. You're called a slave. No, you are. You can't leave. No, there's degrees of <laughs> there's degrees of what slavery in these programs. How they think about it. Slave gets beaten. Slave gets raped. Slave gets um, other things done oh, wow. to them. Uh, but an asset is not necessarily raped, is not necessarily beaten or mistreated as much as a slave. So to these programs, there's a difference to them. What's a, truly a slave and what's an asset? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, they they kind of trick you. They kind of trick you. Uh, they 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 will um, sell you like a, like almost like a sales pitch. Like, mm -hmm. uh, but um, because they have all this advanced technology, they already abducted you in the craft, right? You're you're on board with them. They might even have some hybrids or some actual ETs around them, like military people might actually uh -huh. have some greys or whatever, some Nordics around them. And they're trying to tell you, hey, um, do you want to do like a program where you get to do this or you get to do that? And either you're really scared, so you agree anyway, or you believe what they're saying. You're like, yeah, I want to do that. But either way, can you imagine actually being taken like you, you look up, there's a craft, and then boom, you're on board, and then you're around people with assault rifles, like military people, and then there's uh, actual ETs around them as well, and then they suggest something to you. I mean, really, like, like, are you going to say in that moment, no, no, fuck you? Sorry, sorry, my language. Hey, you know what, you know what I mean? You kind of go along with it because they intimidate you on a technical Okay, but right now, right now, these kidnappers are letting you rat on them. You're telling on them. How come they're letting you? Honestly, my and I said this last time, uh, I think, honestly, they don't even uh, believe that if people that they've kidnapped come forward, um, the average person is going to do anything about it. They are actually um, betting on the fact that 
98 percent of the population doesn't care or doesn't believe it mm-hmm. yeah uh, or they think we're crazies and insane and fakes and not telling the truth so really you can talk all you want about this you really don't know any true secrets they they really don't give you any true secrets you can talk about your experience in these programs no it, it's it's you know it's it's this grassroots disclosure it's not like we're being taken seriously by anybody except maybe you guys and and the grassroots movement i think that it's getting uh recognized i just talked to a a person who um was something like a my labs thing and she's over in europe and she went from where she was from 10 hour drive she's in germany and she asked for asylum and uh, they're taking her seriously about what's going on and so there are some people that are saying wait it's just like the you know the people believe in, in trafficking and child trafficking and it's mm-hmm. just one other aspect it's like yeah we're being trafficked right off planet <laughs> used in a space program and it doesn't matter for the uh the house slave or the field slave we're still we're, we're not at choice you know if you're if you're tricked that's not the choice you're being no. lied to that's kind of like the whole this whole paradigm of existence right now is a lie upon a, on top of a lie on top of a lie but um yeah, I think that uh, this is getting you know some recognition. We had a lot of people last year at the Mufon, um, and they took it seriously. I, I agree, they haven't up until now, but there's a people are looking at it now, just like they're looking, they just like they jailed Bill Cosby now. I mean, things are changing. Yeah, and, and next time, yeah. yeah, yeah, you, you know, uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. We interview so many people and we see the correlations of, the, of what they're telling us and how we have multi-witnesses to the kind of life that you are describing and others are describing. And the, the kind of evidence from witnesses starts adding up and they're seeing the same stuff. Mm-hmm. It adds up, yes. And I've had silver TR3... TR6 craft following me around, silver, whitish, gray type of craft. Um, it's more like 100 feet in in um, how big it is. And I've taken pictures of these things, and I have close to 50-something-odd pictures of different craft following me around at night. And it seems typical, a pattern. Wow. It happens at night. It happens that's where you're abducted. That's when these craft pick you up. And... Um, I've had, like, at 1 a.m., psychic message in my head, come, we're here, can you take some pictures of us? We we, we want oh, you to wow. post this. And I'm like, I'm tired, I don't want to go outside. Come outside, this will be interesting for you. We're, we're going to fly by, we're going to take different forms on, we're, getting, we're going to give you a light show. I'm like, okay, well, I come out, and here it is. And, and all that silverish, blue, white glory hanging there, hovering above my house, so I snap a few pics, and... Oh, goodness gracious, I, I have quite an album, and people have seen these things in my photos, and they're like, we've seen the same stuff, we photographed the same stuff, we've uh-huh. taken video. So I've amalgamated those other two people who've come forward, and I've put it in a presentation, so it's out there on the internet, and boy, these craft look like white craft, but you can see the triangular shape of the TR-3, 3B, 6s, and... Sometimes I've seen like the light, the lights glowing. 
Because there's different types of craft, these right. TR series. Can so, you send so us some they, of them wait, so what, we what, can what, wait, wait, yeah. Dart Sash. Hi, Dart Sash. Can Elena, can oh, you I, send me some of those? Yeah, I will send you the whole thing. It's it's on YouTube. I made it into a video. So yes. Oh wonderful. And and uh do you present at conferences? I'd love to have you at our conference. Uh, usually no. Um usually I no. Do my, that's okay. Those can answer. I do no, but if it's Skype, I'd be willing to do a day, one day. Okay, yeah. Well, we'd probably just be pop in and, and add your voice to this collective that we're gathering. But yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so we'll have you Skype in. Um, yes. um Now uh, you you had a question, but I have one more. What was I going to say? Oh. Okay, the ship. Uh, oh, so these these vehicles abduct. Hey, sorry, my uh, sound that's cut out thing. for a second. I don't mean to. Oh, interrupt. you're there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry, my sound cut out for a second. I'm just saying that uh, I just got back in. I'm sorry. Go on. Okay, okay. Well, oh, we wait, lost wait, wait, our producer, so, I, so can, I think we're still online, but he's been yeah. helping out too. So, we can uh, hear Elena, you. Can you so hear when, us? When you get... I can hear you guys. Go sorry, my sound go. cut out okay. for a second there. So they keep. Manifesting, you have a, a multi witnesses, but they, what if is the essence of the message that they're conveying to you? Uh, what are they telling you? What even if there's no words, what are you getting that that you can share with us? Well, psychically, they speak to me. It's from the ship. It's psychic communication when they come from the planetary corporations, and I know who it is and when they come. They say, well, you know, you're getting ready to disclose something, this particular information. If you disclose this, we're going to permanently kidnap you off-world, take you off-planet, and never return you home. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. I've heard your threats and blah, blah. I'm still going to disclose what I have on you or what else I know about these programs because I'm tired of being threatened. I'm tired of being cajoled to return back to these programs. And I said, mm -hmm. no deal. I ain't going back. You can't take me no more. I know what you do and how you do it. So I'm saying no to you. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tried shamanic route. I've tried... Um, contract revocation i've tried prayer i've tried mm -hmm. so many different spiritual modalities sometimes it actually works and they leave me alone for months or years and then oops they reappear when you're weak or least expected that's when they mm -hmm. take you back mm -hmm. temporary on missions so mm -hmm. when you're sick when your um when your power is down when you're weak you know, it could be emotional trauma, it could be physical ailments, whatnot. When you're at your weakest, that is when they're back and can take you the most. Wow. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. I've noticed a pattern when you're very strong and you're resilient and you're like, no, you're not getting me again. I don't want this. So they can't really take you no more because you're you're on to their shenanigans. You know all their tricks and how they do it. And sometimes they change their tricks and how they approach you. And they try to tempt you with technology, advanced technology, healing you, whatnot. They try to give you these different little incentives to get you back into the programs, whether that's on a temporary or more of a permanent basis. They they try to give you little incentives and I'm like, I don't want anything you're offering me. Get lost. Uh, I have enough pictures uh, of your craft. I have enough of you. So get lost. 
are they uniform or are there some nice ones that try to help you out that are different than the others? Uh, the secret space programs are not nice. I haven't met anybody who's nice. Everybody cares only for themselves to survive. Um, everybody just there does their own thing, their own missions, whatnot. Um, certainly teammates will help you out. So you don't, if you're part of a 12 group team, of course, they'll help you to make sure you get ahead in the team. But if you're not in their team, they're not going to go out of your way to help you in anything. You're on your own, basically, into these in these programs. You have your supervisors or one of your supervisor, and you follow orders and directions, and you do your thing. And if you did your job well, then you get some leisure time off on the base or whatnot. Um, if you want to stay in the same job that you're in, you better do a good job so you're not transferred elsewhere off planet. So wow. there's, wow. yeah, yeah, as long as you're in a team, you have teammates doing projects, science projects, work, whatever that is, they will make sure that you don't lag behind and, and make sure the team works cohesively and they succeed. But outside of that, you're on your own. You, you have to be tough to survive this stuff. So how did you get out? You said you're out now. Well, officially, uh, I was released from the permanent um, being at SSP Asset in 2014. So sometimes I'm still taken for little missions and whatnot when I'm sicker or whatnot. When I'm at my weakest, that's when they can still take me. Um, but I've been working on myself energetically and getting stronger and healthier so they don't really have a luxury of taking me because I'm very resistant and stubborn to any of their incentives. Um, so I'm not taken permanently anymore into the program. That was over in 2014, but sometimes they still, I call it dog napping. They dog nap you. Wow. And what kind did, of freak, do you do? Did they freak when you, when you two got to, when, when you got together with Kevin, did that, uh, did you get in trouble with them? I never got in trouble with Kevin. I was just his trainer. No, oh, no, I mean that subsequently you've you talked uh, on this plane as fellow disclosers. I, I, I got in trouble. Yes, Kevin oh. got some. Yeah. Tell us, oh. you tell. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, uh, just to bring up this point, uh, what happened was I did my first interview with Denny Hunt in June of 2017, and... Um, what happened was I didn't mention anyone else from my recall. So I didn't name names. I just talked about my own experiences without mentioning anyone. And um, uh, after I did that interview, Elena, uh, she added me on Facebook and she decided to reach out to me. And she said, hey, we should probably have a conversation uh, based on what, had, uh, what I had said on my uh, testimony. And then... Um, what happened was we had this um, like Skype date where like a week later we're like, okay, we're going to on Wednesday night. I think this is like on uh, June 14th. We're like, we're going to talk this night. Okay. So I go to sleep that night and then I have this dream and I, sorry, we're doing audio. So I'm doing quotations here, but we had, <laughs> I, yeah, I had a dream where I heard a knock at my door. And this was, I guess, technically June 13th or whatever. And um, I opened the door, and there's two people standing outside of my door. And um, 
they come in my house and they're like, we need to ask you some questions. You sent her pictures of the craft. You, you were talking to Elena. What do you want to talk about? So it became this interrogation where um, it was a dream, I guess. But um, the point I'm trying to make is they can uh, show up at your door. They can beam frequencies at you. They can make you basically do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like they can just beam frequencies at you, show up at your door, and they're doing what you want you to do. And uh, they're asking me these questions. And I actually think at this point, um, there's these two people. It was a man and a woman. And I think they might have actually shown up that night and knocked on my door. And I think I did jump out of bed. And they came right into my living room. And they were asking me questions about Elena. And this is before our very first Skype conversation ever. Uh, Before that, it was just she saw my first interview. She wanted to ask me a couple questions. We're going to have this Skype conversation. And, um, sorry, it's, it's, I'm sorry if I sound a little mixed up, but it, it, it kind of trips me out that I, uh, I had this weird interaction where I call it remote influencers, where people can show up and, uh, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was an abduction. I don't know if they physically knocked my door because they, uh, I know there's technology where they can beam a frequency at you and it makes you, it's almost like scopolamine, like the drug scopolamine. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called the devil's breath in South America. It's, uh, they've done this to people where they blow the devil's breath into a tourist's uh, face and um, they say to the tourist, down, like, 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 download everything you have and they will tell you their whole life story or they will also get the person to withdraw money from an atm uh this is called um devil's breath or scopolamine and um it 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 leaves you in a state where you don't even know what just happened uh you're completely complacent and what's scary about scopolamine it's a real drug people can look that up uh in south america it's the devil's breath and literally if you blow the devil's breath uh, into someone's face, they're completely complacent uh, in that moment. And um, you could literally get someone to shoot themselves in the face. That's how scary this drug is. It's, 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 it, that's why it's called the devil's breath, because you can literally get anyone um, it, to do whatever you want as long as you get it in them, whether you blow it in their face, get them to drink it, whatever. There's like a 30 minute or one hour window where you can literally get anyone to do whatever you want. And it could be a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, 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 it, it freaks me out that, um, I think this might've been something that happened to me just a week after going public. I think I had some people show up at my door and I think they knocked on the door and, um, based on my research on scopolamine, uh, yeah, uh, I think this might have been a real thing. And they interrogated me, and they wanted to know everything I knew about Elena. And all I had to really say was, well, I just had this memory of her teaching the swimming lessons, and I was pretty innocent about it. And I think they got frustrated. It was a man and a woman, by the way. And um, I think they got frustrated eventually, and I think they just uh, left after about an hour. But... um, yeah, anyway, sorry, sorry, I digress, I'm sorry. Um, oh, no, that's important. It, it was, uh, I guess you had a, a strong emotional reaction to it because you just don't know. <laughs> you don't know what happened, for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and what I had done is I had sent Kevin some photos of the craft, of the silver TR-3B craft that I had taken. And the this man and woman were asking Kevin, where are the pictures of that craft? You shouldn't be having these craft you sh- pictures of these craft. You shouldn't be talking to her. Uh, Kevin told me the woman had kind of like reddish hair and the man had grayish hair because they were in their, you know, mid-40s, maybe 50s, right? Something like, like like that, Kevin. Um, you told me the descriptions of what they wore. Um, kind yeah, of like yeah, they were they were middle aged. Um, mm-hmm. The woman had glasses. Like I remember little details like that. Like the woman had glasses. The man had a beard. <laughs> you know, I yeah, absolutely. I remember how they looked. Mm-hmm. And they had- were they were they trim or or were they fat or were they skinny? The woman. Uh, the, if you want to get technical, absolutely. Uh, the woman had gray pants and a white dress shirt on, and she had glasses and short brown hair. And then the man had like a grayish kind of beard, but he kind of um, – the top hair like on his head, uh, it was starting to get gray, but he had a little bit of red. And he had blue eyes, and he was pale, and he was bigger. And so he had like reddish kind of hair, I guess. Yeah, and, and I remember the woman had like a – when I psychically read you, because I can psychic, psychically read people's uh, minds and what events happened to them, uh, the woman had like reddish brown hair, like a bob, shoulder length bob. So it wasn't totally brown, but it was reddish brown, sort of kind of. That's what I saw. Her, her I don't know her hair, her hair color for me. That was the most vivid thing that I remembered seeing from Kevin's mm-hmm. um, memory and and what they were asking him about me, which really surprised me because I'm like I sent him a few photos of craft. What's the big deal here? It's not like it's top secrets from these programs. It's just craft. So I'm like, why are these people interrogating him about me? Why would they even care about me? Because I've never met those two, ever, by the description. So they must have really didn't want him to talk to me. Because he knows something they don't want him saying in public, or to me, for that matter. Because this was a recorded conversation that we planned to release to the public, eventually, which we did. Okay. Yeah, and on that yeah. note, sorry, so on that what, note... Yeah, wait, it's, it's, Okay, go on. Sorry. Just what I'm getting is that the two of you are, have created a coherent field uh, that's way more powerful than either one of you alone. And this is like freaking them out. That's what I got. Yeah, well, we're friends. We've become very good friends. And yeah. I remember Kevin from the from Mars as well. And we've talked about very deep things together. Um, we actually did a show together, a roundtable with one of our other SSP uh, friends, and that caused no amount of trouble for Kevin and me. If you want to describe that, Kevin, maybe just quickly, because it's con- it, it, that's the context of how we know each other. Sure, sure. Uh, well, we, we did a couple shows uh, after that, because, um, I mean, if we really want to get into it here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there was another gentleman, he was in Australia, and he had reached out to me after I did my interview, and um, we were talking, and he's like, I can't go public, I'm a lawyer, I have a law practice, like, I can't go public, but thank, you know, he's like, I, I really like your interview, um, and then I mentioned to him, like, well, I just uh, did an interview with Elena, and I had this bad dream that I just, you know, described, and this guy was like, oh my god, like, we were supposed to talk, 
um, about a, a year prior. And he's like, I had the same dream. And he's an experiencer, absolutely. And uh, he had the same interrogation. But he has a wife. He has, a, he has kids. He has a law practice. So he had like this same dream a year prior. And he decided to not talk to Elena. And, and, and rightfully so. You know, like, sorry, Elena. <laughs> but oh, you know he I mean? did like, talk to me. <laughs> okay okay well let's not mention his name okay no so no no i don't remember i don't remember his name actually that's okay good good yeah okay but anyway this is uh what, what really tripped me out just just <laughs> this is like a precursor to what i'm about to go into but as a precursor um i was talking to another experiencer and letting him know what was going on with me and um he had the same experience a year prior um because uh, he was about to have a skype call with elena and uh yeah anyway so um so this this thing happened uh with me and um the thing is what really trips me out is uh i was having a recall for two or three years prior to this and uh the swimming lessons with the qigong and what elena described earlier where uh, in these situations, you have a couple people, they'll, they'll put like 20 or 30 people, like literally like what I remember in a pool of water, but um, they already did these weird things, which I'm not going to get into now, but they did these weird things where they pair up two or three people. And these two or three people uh, are are more linked than the other people. And they, they're literally trying to pr- uh, prove survival of the fittest versus love as strange as that sounds so they try to bond people in these programs and then they put them up with a bunch of strangers and then they jump them in a pool and what they're trying to prove is um if you've been in a bonding situation with with two or three or four individuals are you going to protect them more if you're in a pool of water with 30 people drowning are you going to protect the people you know more than other people that are human that are drowning? Does this make sense that I'm saying? Like, like are you going to yeah, jump from right. like almost like a, a, a makeshift family unit that they created? And anyway, um, so that that was the situation. But then um, another thing about this situation that I remember is um, what happens if the three or four people in your little family unit that they created drown and you're the only one, um, you almost have to be like adopted <laughs> into yeah. another situation. So you literally, this, this is where they test not only your empath abilities to lock eyes with a person and be like, Hey, I'm a human. I need help. But also they're drowning and they look at you and they're thinking, is his key level a little higher than our key level? Can he help us stay stay more afloat? Like if we're going to just talk about the pool situation here, the so usefulness they might, of who you are. Yeah, to them. exactly the usefulness. So they might bring in someone who has two life vests, like like life preservers, and their life preservers are losing air. Right. So they might actually. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make, if you, you know. Um, haven't followed this yet. Um, what I'm trying to say is that they were literally trying to test power levels versus survival dynamic and also family values. It was it was weird. It was like they they did these little programs 
where they were trying to pair people up in a, an emotional, physical, almost sexual kind of way. And then they, ju- they, they, they put these groups in a pool and then they have these groups competing. And if your family drowns and you're by yourself, you want to be adopted into another family, they're gauging you on a survival dynamic. It was really weird. It, honestly, I, I'm doing my best to describe it. And I don't even fully understand it, but it was weird. It was like, um, it was like people that were trying to, you know, survive, but, um, there is also this weird love dynamic between different family units. And, uh, the point I'm trying to make is that at first the, the family units excluded other groups and then when other groups fell out and you were by yourself, you had to pair up with other people who were strangers. And, um, but uh, what they were trying to gauge was love versus power. And, and it was a weird experiment. And I, I'm sorry if that sounds really strange, but I'm just doing my best to describe this like, thing that happened. Yeah, and that's what we we got in trouble for in one of the interviews that we did with you, me, and Penny Bradley, another SSP experiencer. Uh-huh. Um, and we were talking about these these dynamics, these power versus love dynamics in the family units, and about some of the um, sp- how spirituality works in the secret space programs or lack thereof in some of these units. We were talking about sexual energy, how you raise your sexual energy with others in the group, the dynamic, who's more powerful, that you have to be on the same power level to be in these family units. And sometimes they put you into orgies to pair you up to find out if you're compatible emotionally and sexually. And and after this roundtable, four-part series, Kevin was, was suddenly... Um, being harassed and threatened on Facebook, and I was being harassed and threatened through private emails. Uh, And we were like, did that interview really create that so much trouble just because you talked about spirituality and sexuality and whatnot and how these programs work? Well, apparently some people didn't like it. And they're trolls. These people were trolls. They're not normal people. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are set off. Somebody is triggered by something they didn't like, and they're a troll. That's how their mentality is. So they attack others because they don't understand or like what you're talking about. So uh, Kevin had to leave Facebook because he was being very harassed with weird messages. And I'm still off Facebook after that. Um, it, yeah. was, it was very real. It's 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 unedited. You know, it's raw. It's just it's what we experienced and um for some people that triggered people um um this this notion that uh, i guess because in the program they think that we're all like bad or something like we're all under mind control and we are under mind control in the program but what's what's interesting is what we were talking about was that in those moments in those survival kind of dynamic moments there's still good people that Mm -hmm try to literally keep someone afloat. Like, that's what I remember. Like, we were trying to keep people afloat in the pool. And, because right. um, we we knew we had more energy Wait, than they did. They were about I to drown, to and I could we kick, I knew like, I, sorry. We have, like, one or two minutes. It's, like, amazing. We're, we're running out of time. Okay, <laughs> so let's begin to wrap this up. 
No, that's okay. We'll do this again. We definitely will do this again because we have just begun. But I just looked at the clock and say like, we're going to we're going to have the, the music in like a minute. So let's wrap this up and we could do this next week or in two weeks. I have some opening. So let's talk after we sign off. But go ahead. Okay. And kind of, um, you, you still have an hour to go. Oh, okay. No, it's a talk. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, sorry, I, I know we're I, coming up to break. My apologies. Can, can yeah, we're coming up to break. This. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, I that's a good reminder. It's yeah, not we, the end. Yeah, it's we just decided. The break. Yeah, we decided on just two. The break. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, I know the break's coming up, but um, uh, why don't uh, when we come back, uh, Alina and I can. Uh, why don't we uh, try to speak to the fact that uh, uh, this um, spirit spirituality within the SSP, we can kind of diffuse that because um, we we got a lot of harassment. I mean, I'm still off Facebook because of that. Um, interview. But okay, yes. we'll, we'll come back That's to that coming after up break. after the break. Okay, okay thank it. you. We'll see you in five minutes. and a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, you can, and Event Horizons will give you those truths. So when you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore from that memorable scene in network, you'll know just what to do. We will draw you in and become your news addiction at Event Horizons. Join us Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time at freedomslips.com at Revolution Radio. Our world team members are Dennis Fetcho, John Ilias, David Dunger, Hila Cass, MD, Melanie Richton, Jim Mars, Paula Harris, John Trallo, Maria Payan, Christopher Husser, D-O-D-D-S, Jonathan Orchard, and me, your anchor, Dr. Robin Falco. If uh, you decide not to volunteer, it will not be held against you in any way. Sounds dangerous. It is. Very dangerous. Count me in. That's right here, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps. Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. 
Over three gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a mega virus or computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records, addresses, phone numbers? We'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com. Yes, that's www.freedomslips.com. Click the banner on the homepage for the EMP proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer. So, folks, keep your data safe for your peace of mind. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us, we're already here. Syrian diplomat reported today that their population is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning! Warning! We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone! Or you would be! Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part! even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You calm down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution
every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Studio B for Momentary Zen with host Zen Garcia at freedomslips.com, the people station. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha, and we are back. I am Janet Carolesson, and we're on the Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. My host is Dr. Sasha Alec Lesson, producer Thomas Becker, and guest Elena Ka and Kevin Trimmel. And we're going to, be, in one moment, we're going to go back to our subject. We're talking about uh, sexuality, consciousness, and the Secret Space Program. And uh, the pool, we'll be revisiting all that in part two. But before we get back there, I'd like to remind everybody to go over to that donation button on revolution.radio and please donate what you can. I know we're just a day, a couple days away from the end of the month. Uh, Bad Painter, what's our, uh, where are we? We're $30 shy, so please donate. (gasps) We've got tonight and tomorrow. Donate on this show. If you can make it on my show, that'd be great. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, that would be good. Give us some brownie points. Put a note that we donated during the Sacred Matrix and we enjoyed the show. We would love to get some positive feedback. Uh, Sasha, are you there? Thank you, Matt. I, I, I'm here. I'm, I'm here indeed. And, uh, you know, what we say in uh, existential uh uh, groups is that whoever has the most energy gets to uh, say what's really coming out, and I, and I get that. That right now, it's Kevin. Yeah. What do you got to tell us about your experience? Okay. Wow. Uh, thank you, Sasha. Uh, I have absolutely been inspired by uh, existential. I can't pronounce it. Existentialism. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So I can't pronounce the thing that I am. So that's neat. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I totally get like nihilism, existentialism, absolutely. Um, I had a, a really cool philosophy teacher in high school. He taught us about that, and that was really neat. And basically what he said was, the universe doesn't give a monkeys about you. You need to make your own space. And um, <laughs> right, like the universe, you know, it really it, do, it doesn't give a monkeys about oh. you unless you do something mm-hmm. to make uh, the universe give a monkeys about you. Uh, So, um, going back to what we were talking about before with this whole experiment in the pool with all the kids. um, uh, Well, not kids. Grown-ups. Well, sorry, I called them kids. I mean, we were young. I mean, we were 19, 20 years old. Yeah, but these programs didn't touch children like that into the pools. So, just to make that clear, we, we did not do these types of experiments on children. Fair enough, fair enough. Sorry. Uh, Elena, it's an interesting situation with Elena because she was one of my teachers in the program. And um, 
when you really look up to like a teacher, right? Uh, becoming friends with them after like high school or university, like that's a whole thing. That's a whole other thing. Uh, so, oh, but yeah. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really happy that I got to connect with Elena because I absolutely remember from the remember her from the program. And uh, yeah, um, I think at that point she was in her 40 and back or her her 60 and back. So she was, you know, well established. And uh, what's interesting is uh, in the memory, she didn't even say anything to us. She was standing on the edge of the pool as an adult. And uh, we're in the pool, a bunch of kids, or like teenagers, I guess. And uh, she was communicating exactly what you needed to do to survive and pass this test. But she wasn't speaking. And that's an important point I want to make. This is where... Uh, things take another level where um, you have someone that's locking eyes with you. And they, she was trying to teach us uh, something called entrainment empathically, where the sensation is if you lock eyes with the person and you're, and you're receptive and you open up, they will give you exactly what you need. If you lock eyes with them, they can, they can get you through any situation. And mm-hmm. that is actually what she was trying to convey to us. And at first, you know, a lot of the people – didn't realize that because they just got thrown into a cold pool of water and in, into a, a pool that they couldn't climb out of. Um, so everyone was treading water, freaking out. And eventually it got to a point where, um, yeah, some people went under. And then other people were looking up at this woman, <laughs> Elena, uh, standing at the edge of the pool, just locking eyes with us, but she was beaming something at us. And she's trying to tell us that um, – Basically, if you channel your energy, and this is, uh, and I could be wrong, uh, but this is what I gathered from it, was um, if you imagine like a balloon of energy under your knees, under basically under all your joints, so your elbows, your knees, your shoulders, if you imagine like a balloon of energy, and as you're in the water, it's like fluidic space, so you can sit back on the water and because you're actually, you know, a life force energy, you can literally channel your energy and be sitting on your own energy, um, almost like sitting on balloons under your uh, knees, shoulders, under your butt. <laughs> and you can like be floating in the water. And basically, as long as you're drawing breath, it just has to do with breathing. It has to do with key. It has to do with breathing. You can literally fill up those balloons and you can like float in water um basically as long as you can draw a breath now obviously you can't draw a breath um indefinitely because you will absolutely um get dehydrated eventually and you can't draw breath anymore but for a long time past like the normal point of exhaustion um people can draw breath and be floating on their own uh internal energy and she was trying to convey this point to us uh, as an instructor of the icc and um Uh, On top of that, they also were testing blood types, which we were talking about before, and um, they had already gotten over the racism thing. So there were people of all different races uh, in the pool. So black, Mm -hmm. Asian, white, um, uh, different sexes, you know, male, female. Um, So it was beyond, you know, putting like races uh, or or genders uh, against people. What it was was just a bunch of young people, like 19, 20 years old, of mixed race, mixed gender, um, trying to tread water in a pool. So 
what they were trying to test was um, they did have um, some people that were um, O negative and O positive. Uh, and um, one of the redundancy training programs was trying to test if the O positive would react differently than the O negative. And um, I mean, I was just um, like used in the program, so I don't know if I'm official like to say the result, but from what I gathered was that um, a human is a human is a human and didn't matter what your race was, what your gender was, what your blood type was, um, and everyone was trying to survive in the same way. And people, uh, when they were able to create this energy bubble, they were actually helping other people. And it got to a point where, um, and this is what I remember, I was with three other people and I wasn't creating enough energy. So eventually they had to let me go down. And that's where my memory ends. They had to let me go. To, I just wasn't creating enough energy. Um, so I was actually like um, almost like a life raft. If someone's pulling the life raft down, eventually you have to just say like, okay, like you have to go down. Um, so, which I know sounds kind of extreme. But um, what I'm trying to say is that a human is a human is a human. And the survival dynamic is actually what makes us all equal. Um, we all draw a breath, and doesn't matter what your race is, your blood type, or your gender. Um, if you draw a breath and you're a human, we all have this survival dynamic, and that's what they were trying to test. And I know it sounds ridiculous that maybe some people already get this, but um, that's what they were testing. They were literally testing blood types, races, and genders in a swimming pool, as bizarre as that sounds. Yeah, and Did I was anybody, like... Did uh, succeed? Did anybody... Like, yeah. how long did this go on for? Nobody succeeded? Uh, there was about 10 people that succeeded. And I was just looking for how long you could stay in your energy bubble. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15. Whoever stayed the most just passed, the, passed and went to the next level of the program. Uh, it was it was basically an endurance test to test how are you capable of surviving in this type of situation. This type of situation, how clever are you? Can you think for yourself? And I never rifled through those people's memories. I just gave them psychic instructions for how to do things. I have the ability to literally look into somebody's soul, look into their memories. So I, I actually asked Kevin, can I review your memories of that pool experience because I remember some of it but not all of it so I actually went and looked into his memories I'm like wow this is interesting and, and, and based on what I was seeing in his memory I was able to deduce that this is just endurance strength testing Has I didn't care for me I had I, I had my assignment given to compare blood type, compare um, you know, gender, race. I'm like I don't care about any of that. It's an endurance test. Whoever floats in that energy bubble the longest, they're the winners. They pass the test. They're the strongest. They get to move on to the next levels. The others who you know didn't last the longest need more training in this level. The ones that drown need to go back a few steps and be trained further. So to me. It was not a bias test. It was not about gender, race, uh, equality, or blood type. It was about who's the fittest of them all, like mm -hmm. the show Survivor, mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, but Ke uh, Kevin, so. I, I, you know, when I empathize and put myself in uh, your place and imagine somebody who I loved and trusted and respected uh, subjecting me to that, I feel a 
part of me uh, gets in touch with anger uh, toward them, and uh, the need that's fueling that uh, anger is the need to be uh, safe. And I just wonder, do you have any any trace of uh, any uh, uh, anything like that? That's a really good question. Um, okay, I, I do still have dreams where I'm in like a classroom and I'm arguing with the teacher, and it is Elena. And I think that is my own subconscious answering your mm-hmm. question. Okay, um, but in my yeah. conscious, but in my conscious mind. Um, in my waking life, I think it's really cool that on an intellectual level, I get to become friends with one of my former teachers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she was under mind control. I was under mind control. It's like, like, can you really fully blame a sober person over someone that's, you know, effed up on drugs versus or- their sober self? Uh, th- there comes a point where you have to have a certain level of empathy where you're just like, okay, that person was really messed up. And I was messed up too. So, you know what I mean? Is, does that make sense? Sure. Sure. You, you, you guys both did the, the most growthful and intelligent things in your circumstances. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And the thing is, even though they drowned, they weren't really killed. They were put in regen tanks and they were fine after that. And some of mm-hmm. them did ask for their memories to be wiped of that training experience. So... Sometimes these these supervisors would actually, if these recruits asked for their memories to be wiped of that particular traumatic experience, it was wiped with just the lesson staying in the head, not the pain, the mm-hmm. lesson you learned from the experience, but not the pain experienced that was removed from your brain. So they, they're not totally soulless instructors or supervisors. Um, because they can wipe your memory if you ask for the trauma to go away. Because that kind of stays in your head, in the back of your head, wherever you go on missions and whatnot. And you focus on the pain and the trauma, and you can't do your job right. So why would mm-hmm. these supervisors want you that right. way? That's, that's, gotcha. you're, not, you're not useful that way. So they just remember the sensation, the feeling, the memory of the pain. They wipe that. But you're left with the experience mm-hmm. itself, the lesson, what okay. you learn from it. Mm-hmm. But so far, what you're saying is that even though this didn't respect your right to say no and not be part of this and so forth, the what the the generalizations that they made from this research are are are, are useful uh, scientific stuff that can help everybody. So that even though it was at your expense, it, it sounds beneficent so far. What you learned in that uh, in those by those experiments that it does that it doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what your gender is. You are all human. That's yeah. You know, that's so cool. It's your ability to survive. And to this day, I still that training has stayed with me. The I'll do whatever I have to to survive within. You know not hurting anybody and not hurting myself, but the drive to survive survive is very strong, very clever. I'm very tough in how I handle different situations. And and I, I use that cleverness that I was taught as an instructor. Do no matter you have to do no matter what you have to do to to get ahead and survive. Not hurting anybody, but um w- Within what you have to work with, use as much as you can to get ahead as much as you can, even to this day, in clever ways. Get around the system in the most clever ways that you can to, to get results that you need for whatever you're doing in your life. 
that that basic training that they gave me has stayed with me to this day in my in this current life on earth very interesting i have yeah. a friend that got washed out to sea he was surfing and he did miscalculated the tide took him out to sea and so he was out there all night he was doing that dead man's float because he was going to die and and uh, uh, the ETs came around him, gave him encouragement or something. He didn't know what they did exactly, but they came around him and he survived all, all through the night. And then in the, the day when the tide came in, it brought him in and, and he mm. was um, tossed on shore. But it was a similar thing, you know. Um, how do you stay in your own energy and not panic and not go under? And his was a real thing. He would If he would have died, he would have died for real. So Yeah, but the funny uh, thing is... that is something you can learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how go to ahead. swim. I don't know how to swim. <laughs> that's yeah. what's so funny. Yeah, Sorry, that's such swimming. a funny point. Because she was just standing there uh, as a psychic. Uh, and I think that's such a great detail that um, she wasn't in the water with us. We couldn't grab onto her. She was standing up 15 feet high. It was a, uh, it was this carved out pool. Uh, from, it looked like, um, it looked like uh, I've been to Las Vegas, Red Rock Canyon. Uh, by Hoover mm-hmm. Dam, and mm-hmm. um, it looked like Nevada rock um, that had been flooded. You know, like the red rock. It wasn't like mm-hmm. an exact pool, but it was like a it had been filled up with water. And um, yeah, yeah, she was just standing on the edge of the pool, and I, I thought that was a cool detail because when we talked, um, I, I didn't remember her ever being in the water. She was just standing off to the side. Yeah. Um, but, um, but what you were saying, Janet, before, um, uh, you know, okay, how do I put this? What they were trying to test was just, is a human, like we take that for granted and I really do believe it. A human is a human is a human. Um, so what I'm trying to say is like, if a sinking ship is happening and, um, there's a bunch of white people on a sinking ship and then Asian people come up. Are they going to just let the white people drown? Or are they going to just in that moment help them onto the boat? And for us, uh, and I know your, your um, listeners and your crowd, you know, they're advanced enough to realize that what I'm saying is true. A human is a human is a human. Like, you know what I mean? But um, the elites were still trying to test this. And that's what's so bizarre about this experiment. And I had nightmares about this, where they were trying to grab people and men, women of different, um, you know, uh, races, and they're trying to test both, um, you know, gender, but also, um, you know, racism in a survival dynamic. And, and, And also on top of that, because people of different race and different gender can have the same blood type, <laughs> which obviously proves that a human right. is a human is a human. Mm-hmm. They already knew that. But what's so trippy is on top of that, they were trying to test, you know what I mean? Like the consciousness where like if a, if a black person or a white person or Asian person, or if a man or a woman is drowning, will you react differently? Will you try to help them or not? It sounds ridiculous, but that is actually what they were trying to test. Yeah, and as as an instructor, I'm like, you're not messing with my training. You're not messing with how I'm going to do this. And I said um, to my supervisors, I don't care. 
what female, male, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Chinese, you know, East Indian, whatever, Japanese, I don't care what race they are. They are people, and this is a endurance, longevity test, survival of the fittest. Uh, whoever is the strongest, that's the winner. This is as simple as it gets. So uh, I was not looking at the blood type of this or that person. I was looking at their energy bubble, how well they can maintain that energy bubble and float about water and not drown. That's my parameters of the test. They gave me different parameters. I'm like, that's out the window. That's not going to help train them in any way and based on their blood type. If they have O positive, they could still be weak. If they have O negative, they could still be tougher than the other buddy next door who's sinking, you know? It's, it's, it's blood type. If you're sick, you're sick. It's not necessarily predisposition on your blood type. It can have um, something else, genetic defects in your system. Wow. So, You've confirmed the negative hypothesis that proves that love can overcome hate. Well, of course. I mean, circumstances, it really depends on various circumstances. Uh, somebody who hates somebody else the next moment can fall in love with them based on whatever situation they're in or vice versa. So enemies can be become friends and friends can become enemies. It, there's duality. There's a duality in, in this planet right now and, and it's been here around. So uh, black and white is not really black and white. There's gray in between. So I try to always keep an open mind and think outside the box so I don't uh, allow anybody's programming biases or influence manipulate me as the, the empath that I am in this human body right now. So I always try to be partial to people. I'm like, okay, well, that's your belief, and that's fine. I'm not going to rat you out based on this or this or that. And just because I don't agree with you, that doesn't mean we can't be friends or, or, or colleagues or whatnot. That's your opinion, and you're allowed to have it. We can still find common ground to get along. Because we're all human. We're all on this planet. We are the same race. It doesn't matter who what color you are, what gender you are, we are the same people, we are the same race, we live on the same planet as a species. We're one species of human. Hey, Lena, I have a question. Speaking sure. of different uh, species, did you interact with extraterrestrial species, and if so, which ones? Oh, yes. Um, on the Mars basis, I saw reptilian-human hybrids. There was Nordics coming sometimes to, to borrow us from the planetary corporations to pull us on different missions. Um, and that's about all I, all the types that I worked with. And sometimes there's also, um, Mars has a native population of Mars colonists, the original ones. And they're human. They're, they're a species of human, but they're taller than us and they have a bit darker skin. So, and they're muscular. Um, I, I you know was the history out, of how they came to be? Like, are, are they well, originally they, connected to the yeah, they were, on Earth or Anunnaki? They were, they were, I don't know whether they're on Anunnaki or not, but they were planted at some point on Mars eons ago. And they've been there for a long time. So, they even witnessed the dis partial destruction of Mars and went underground and survived. So, I was sent out by my... Planetary Corporation superiors to spy on them and displace them from their homes on these various orbital space station platforms that uh, planetary corporations have 
And the reason for this, they want them off-planet so they can build more bases on Mars, get more territory. So they wanted me to, to be like in a, you know, species in exchange program, even though it's the same species of human. They're human like us. They look like us. Uh-huh. It's a slightly different. So they wanted me to, like, it's, it's like a cultural exchange program. You know, you're on Mars, get to know them. Hey, hi, what's your culture like? What are you like? Where you live? But the thing is, I had Neuralink implants that have video and audio, which can spy on these colonists and get their locations of their homes in order to take them off world forcefully and put these put them on orbital space platforms. So the planetary corporations can build more bases on Mars and get more territory. And I did this wow. unknowingly. I didn't know that's why they sent me out did, there. Did to they resist? Did they resist? Were they successful? Are they still there? Well, they're somehow they're still there. They had no idea what what why I was even there for this cultural exchange program, and I had no idea. I was just I'm just supposed to get to know these people. So you know, and in and later on, well, um, I I've had some interviews with Denny Hunt. And I did a um, channeling session of my higher self with Carl Mollison as well. I was actually one of the first to try this out with Carl. And that's where I found out about this despicable stuff that I was unknowingly spying on these Mars colonists to displace them from their homes underground. Because they have underground homes. Um so that's how the, I found this out through the channeling of my higher self. Oh, great. Well, you know, from, from the old, old literature that I, I deal with, uh, these people are uh, people who fled uh, after the Illyrians were attacked by the Dracos, and some of them were had a, a beautiful uh, on-surface and under-surface life, and they were joined by the Maldecans as the Death Star went by before it was blasted off, and the Maldecans went underground with them. But basically, uh, when the comet that became Venus passed uh, Mars, it sucked off a lot of the the water on the surface and some of the air. That's that's what the old sort of stuff says about how those people got there. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean... The fact that the planetary corporations want more bases on Mars and to display other natives that that are there now, to me that's despicable and being used to do Mm -hmm. that, like unknowingly unknowingly spy on them through these Neuralink implants. And basically this telemetry data of me interacting with these folks gets back to the superiors on the Mars bases. When, When I found out about this through the channeling, I'm like, what else did these programs have me do? What else don't I know about? So um, I've been doing regression sessions. I've found out I've uh, that I've had many ET lifetimes. I've been on bio ships, living ships. I've been loaned out to the Nordics to repel the reptilian armada that was there in 2011 above Earth space cloaked. These programs, secret space programs, the planetary corporations worked with the Solar Warden and the Nordics to stop this um, this reptilian armada. And Kevin, Kevin yeah, has yeah. memories of that too. Yeah, absolutely. The Nordics. Uh, yeah, we talked about that um, during that first uh, conversation we had. We had like a six-hour conversation after um, the events I described before. Um, 
we had a six hour conversation. We just we decided to on uh, Elena's YouTube channel to um, publicly make forty minutes of a, <laughs> a six hour conversation because uh, we were getting to know each other and having recalls and that. But uh, but there were there there was forty minutes there that I, we felt was relevant to other people, mm-hmm. and this has to do with. Um, the reptilian armada and this happened in uh uh 2011 absolutely uh some reptilian species attacked um one of the colonies on mars in the northern hemisphere in 2011 and and uh they came in so fast and were just uh, like a blitzkrieg just right over the northern hemisphere of mars buzzing around like a bunch like like a bunch of bees and um, Solar Warden, which is their job, scrambled, and they came from the moon, and they put up a little barrier between the Earth and Mars. And um, what they realized was these craft were flying so fast that if they were to engage them properly, um, they couldn't keep up. And they were kind of just sitting there, kind of thinking like, shit like what do we do if they were to engage us they could fly circles around us um but one of the nordic races that solar warden um has been working with um for quite a while um of course they uh they showed up and there was a conference that was held and um i remember this conference and i remember some of the people there uh both the uh, solar warden personnel the uh, certain icc members and also, um, uh, sorry, I, uh, sorry, there's certain points I don't want to talk about. Um, there are other races there that um, some people might seem, uh, might, certain negative races. Okay, there were insectoids, there were reptilians. It was, it was, um, it was a confederacy of uh, different beings. And, uh, sorry, the reason why I paused there, uh, it's just... I know it's controversial to talk about. I'm not saying uh, because certain reptilian and insectoids were present. Um, I'm not saying they're good. By the way, I'm just saying they have a vested interest, uh, which is different than what this faction was doing. If that makes sense, it's very complicated. If you uh, there, there's a vested interest where you have certain Draco reptilian insectoid uh, mammalian species um, and amphibian. Uh, species as well. Um, they're at this conference, and they have a vested, a long-term vested interest in the planet. And some subspecies showed up, and they were reptilian, and they showed up like insects, and they were just attacking a random base on Mars. And this, it was a very weird, controversial thing that happened in 2011. Yeah, and uh, I was with on the Nordic. The Nordics showed up with their battle cruisers and their own armada. And they were trying to also make sure that none of the reptilian ships would sneak off from their armada and go to Earth and land on the planet. And they were like, the ICC, we can't have those reptilians land on Earth. We can't have this mass exodus suddenly show up on, on Earth. We can't have this. This is a secret. We can't have humans knowing that we're invaded by the reptilians. No, usually uh, ICC doesn't work with Solar Warden because they don't have a very good relationship but in this case, uh, Solar Warden did give more advanced warp drives to Solar Warden ships. They retrofitted the ships so they could repel the reptilian ships. 
Absolutely. And and the point she's trying to make is um, if, if if they hadn't upgraded the Solar Warden craft, um, if these uh, reptilian subspecies, if they had invaded Earth after Mars, um, our craft, even our advanced tier threes, could not keep up to them. So it mm-hmm. would look like a joke if... Um, like, imagine a really bad alien invasion movie where the humans are, like, in slow motion, right? They can't even keep up. So all the ICC did was just upgrade them to a point where they could keep up. It's not that they would necessarily win. It's just they could keep up. They could put on this big space battle in the sky. And um, um, this is right before 2012. And uh, what, what, what the human solar warden population was concerned about was that uh, if, if, if these craft showed up uh, in our atmosphere, obviously, you know, the cat would be out of the bag. Like, like, like uh, people would realize that there's ETs and we're actually doing the, um, the Nazi thing, which was to fight this big space battle. Uh, and people would just fall in line, and they could they could bring in a one world government, and um, now that could serve them in a sense. But what they realized was this um, invading force. This had nothing to do with the ICC. This had nothing to do with Solar Warden. So this invading force, it, it would actually be their worst nightmare because they always thought that they could do this fake ET invasion. Except this was a real ET invasion. Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah, that's what freaked them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ICC doesn't like to work with Nordics either, but when tough, when times get tough, you uh, partner up with uh, some of your uh, acquaintances, so to speak, and their acquaintances. You partner up with your acquaintances, you put on your big boy hat, and you go to work to, to make sure that bigger enemy doesn't get Earth or Mars, because ICC considers Earth and Mars its territory. It's it's their space, their airspace. You you come into our airspace, you're going to be blasted. If if you want to invade us, we're going to um, battle the shit out of you, basically, and make sure you you end up on the losing side of things. Uh, call up as many uh, acquaintances as you can to uh, form a defensive line and and get the enemy out of your airspace. That's what basically it was. And they did that. They absolutely, you're right. They absolutely did that. And uh, I think Solar Warden brought in some Nordics that um, they weren't necessarily uh, proud of. <laughs> um, I think there were some Pleiadians that actually came in. As I know, that's really controversial to say, but they're, uh, the Pleiades is a big star system. You don't just have like Pleiadians as like one star system. I mean, there's like 400 blue dwarf stars in the Pleiades and you got mm-hmm. seven different planets and there's different factions. You got the old Deberons uh, that helped the Nazis, obviously. And then you got like the Pleiaran group uh, that reached out to Billy Meyer and they're more pacifist. But um, anyway, you have like at least six or seven or eight different um, Pleiadian groups that actively engage um, in our solar system. And one of them absolutely intervened. And I remember them, they were in blue jumpsuits <laughs> with blonde hair. Oh well, yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah. And they were there and they were just saying like, as funny as this sounds, they were basically, they had the earth humans meet up like, like almost like a family dinner and like two families that hate each other. They had the ICC group the Navy faction, the Air Force, all these people, and they're just like, okay, this is what you're going to do, 
in order to survive. And if you don't do this, if you don't listen to us, then you're just going to die. As mm-hmm. ridiculous as that wow. sounds, that's basically <laughs> what they said. And they're like, by the way, we're willing to help you it, like a bailout. Imagine like you're a bank and you need a bailout. So mm-hmm. even if you, you're unhappy that the fact, you know, with the fact that you just you just went bankrupt, uh, they're like, hey, we're going to bail you out, but you need to do this, this, and this, and this. And that's what happened. It was a really one-sided negotiation, and I think they were actually pretty surprised that a bunch of Nordics showed up in blue jumpsuits and uh, bailed them out right before 2012. Yeah, and wow. I was loaned out it's- to those Nordics on their fleet as a communications officer to, to make sure that uh, none of those reptilian ships, uh, the cruiser ships, smaller ones, none of them landed on Earth, that the strays didn't get away from the main armada. So my task was to just monitor the screens and, and give out different um, tactical data between the different Nordic fleet ships, just to carry out data back and forth, send back and forth, back wow. and forth, wow. and track reptilian ships, the smaller cruisers, the strays that really wanted to some of them disengaged from the fleet and tried to make this a little bit of a distraction to try to get other ships from the nordic fleet to go chase them and i was just making sure that uh, that they wouldn't you know go and land on earth that they'd stay above wow. earth space wow ashtar command to the rescue yeah that, that's um yeah everybody makes fun of ashtar command that's no, of, I don't make fun of it. I think it's cool. Yeah, well, they actually uh, sort of exist. It's one of that's. Yeah. Um, I know it's been said that Astro Command is a psyop psyop made by the CIA, but there are Nordics that look like um, what the Astro Command has been painted to portray. There's Nordics right. like that in blue uniform with white hair, blonde or white hair, and that's who I was assigned to. And I'm like, you know. Okay, uh, I'll I'll go as long as uh, my planet stays safe and uh, I get to go back to where I'm supposed to. I don't want to permanently be assigned to Astar Command. I prefer I'd rather prefer to be near Mars or Earth space. I never really did want to go anywhere else outside of this solar system. So I'm like, this is the agreement. I I get loaned out on this condition. You don't permanently assign me to this group. They're not bad. They're not bad people, but uh, I don't want to leave the solar system with them after this is all over. So uh, that was the deal and what I agreed to and um, worked out. And Kevin was on Solar Wardenship, I believe, right? Uh, Yeah, Elena, um, what you just described, absolutely. uh, I'm not sure if it was a ship or a space station. I just remember a conference room that was very curved, and it could have been a space station because it was very large, very curved. And they were at this curved table, and uh, literally the Ashtar Command, uh, or I guess Ashtar, um, tall, blonde, Nordic guy, uh, like eight feet tall, uh, huge forehead, blue eyes, uh, long blonde hair, blue jumpsuit, and uh, he had an an attache, a female, um, and she had dark hair and green eyes, and also in a blue jumpsuit jumpsuit and uh she was about seven feet tall so still very very tall and uh, so this man and this woman that fit the ashtar command kind of like look and they ran the conference i mean they were sitting at the head of the table uh you had different 
people, different races, uh, Earth, different races, but also other ETs. And they showed up. And um, the point I'm trying to make is that when these Nordics showed up, it was interesting that you had different Earth races, different factions, including Solar Warden, ICC, um, also different ET races, including uh, there were some greys, there were some insectoids, there were other Nordic beings. There were there was like a whole conference of beings, like a UN, mm-hmm. but different beings. And it's interesting that when these two showed up, these different factions that were arguing amongst themselves and had been trying to secretly, you know, uh, develop their own agendas, they all fell in line. It was mm-hmm. almost like mom and dad showed up and told them, like, this is what's going to happen. And if you argue with us, then we're not going to help you. We're not, again, like, we're not going to bail you out because you're, yeah. defi- you're in a huge deficit here. You were playing this, like, stupid little game. And um, we can bail you out, but you're going to do this, 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 and this. And it's interesting. That was in 2011, right before 2012. So yeah. <laughs> I, and Kevin, yeah. remember my impudence, what I said to Ashtar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what did you, you call him a nickname? He didn't yeah, like I said, hey, Ash. And he's like, yeah. take this seriously. We're, this is almost a war. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to treat me with more respect. And he put me in my place. Just, right, right. Because you know. he didn't understand that you actually, she actually liked him. And, uh, you know, humans, when we give a nickname, um, we, we like the person. When you're like, hey, Ash, or hey, Ty, or hey, Jim, right? Like instead of James, you say, hey, Jim. Um, that's like a sign of affection. Um, they didn't take it that way. They have a different sense of humor. They speak differently. Uh, they have different grammar. And when she said, hey, Ash, yeah, he thought that um, uh, he actually was uh, offended. He thought that she didn't uh, understand his name. <laughs> Yeah, and that I wasn't taking him seriously in what the situation was. I was just like, you know, well, you're blonde, you're tall, you're blue-eyed, you're in this, uh, you know, interesting blue jumpsuit uniform. I'm like, hey, Ash, how are you? And he's like, take this seriously. <laughs> sit down, sit back down. You know, this is a serious so were you sexually meeting. attracted to him? No, no, I, I just have a weird sense of humor, and I assign nicknames to different people. Based on oh, names, so th- this uh-huh. is still a t- typical habit that I have. Um, I still can't make a nickname for Kevin. It's a little hard with his name. Um, <laughs> True, uh, but yeah, she was just trying to be funny. She, she yeah. just she just said, "Hey, yeah. Ash," like because you know, like she was just trying to like you know give him a nickname and and just kind of break the ice. Right. And um, they have, uh, and I noticed this, like when I was in North Bay, when I actually inc- encountered physically, like absolutely physically, um, without being in an altered state or anything, I just walked out of my hotel room and there was a, a MIB, uh, an ET, a uh, hybrid uh, Nordic extra, extraterrestrial uh, standing before me. Uh, and what I noticed is um, his grammar structure was totally different and he didn't get my jokes. Like, he really didn't, he didn't, like, even the little social niceties that were taught, like, like, please and thank you, to them, they kind of, like, they look at you like you're speaking a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hold open a door, they might actually take offense for you mm-hmm. opening a door for someone because they're like, I was supposed to open the door. What are you doing? You know, like, yes. little things like that. Like, it's a very awkward, weird situation. Even if they look human, um, they will speak differently. They'll act differently. 
Um, and they will take offense um, even if you say please and thank you and give them a nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I remember with Ashtar is like the greeting to say hi is just eye stare. You stare into their eyes, they stare into your eyes directly, and that's how you say hello. You don't verbally sh- say hi, how are you, or shake a hand. You, the, the, the sign of respect for hello is just looking into each other's eyes and acknowledging each other. You're here, I'm here, we've said hello through our eye contact. Okay, we sit down to do business now and get to it. That's how I remember that uh, reading. Did going. you see any any people, um, any cross species pollination like um, um, people falling in love that were different um, species? Um, the, there wasn't any falling in love type of thing. But the, what what the ICC does on Smars basis, they have cybernetic labs, so they do breed different types of ET human hybrids. So some of them were there as support staff at that meeting. I remember that. Do they do it via cloning or through... Um, no, Petri dish. Or? Literally... Tradition. Yep, literally creating a new type of species. E.T. human hybrids. Not through cloning. Um, Not through cloning, but no. the extraction of the fluids and the... Yeah. And the yeah. 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 Grow them well, in I've the... I've heard about the... Different uh, experience or contact the abductees that have been yeah um, they grow them sex with extraterrestrials. Oh no no no! Have you ever have, heard of that? No, we weren't allowed to have sex with the extraterrestrials. They they grew the ET human hybrids in the regeneration tanks, in the goop. That's right. how they were grown. Um, to well, I had one experience where they and it grossed me out when they had me having sex with a different species, and then I've heard other people. I was like, well that. That couldn't have been real. Well, in the program, um, uh, Elena's, um, based on her observations, um, I've absolutely uh, experienced that, where they can pretty much um, grow um, anything they want in the uh, in the tanks. Um, so, right. for example, uh, like when I had the experience uh, with the rapture on Mars, um, it could have literally been a real-life Jurassic Park situation where they literally <laughs> took dinosaur DNA, cloned it, gave it a human brain, and just tested uh, what it what would what, what, what would it, you know like what would it be like if a human had a raptor body mm-hmm. and was actually interacting with someone? But think about that for a second. I know this is really trippy, but think about that for a second. What if you all of a sudden, your brain was in a raptor body, and you had the claws, and you had the teeth, and you were actually a physical raptor, but it was your brain. Or you know, your soul would you, consciousness. Would you act differently if if you could um, physically tear them up or eat them? You know what I mean? Like I know that sounds bizarre, but uh-huh. this is what they do. They literally they will clone um, bodies, and they will put different brains in different bodies to see... Uh, they're trying to test what it is to be human. Is is human the brain? Is it the body? Is it a blood type? Is it or, a gender? Or, you know what I mean? Like like, yeah. like that that they're right. obsessed with what what is it to be human? And if right now, Janet, <laughs> we put your brain in a giant um, Godzilla creature, would you start 
killing people because you were angry or would you just be like janet but you're you know a godzilla <laughs> you know what i mean well, well that's actually what they um in the life between lives literature by uh, the um, certain institute they they regress people life between lives and so that's what they on a soul level we're going down into different uh, bodies this is happening on a soul level and uh so one one fellow went into a, a, bi- a Viking body, and during his life, uh, he just killed and killed and killed and killed. And then he was dead. He was in the process of reviewing it, and and he had learned some high spiritual lesson from, you know, killing and killing. It's like he became enlightened, right? But going through the darkness, right through the dark. But he said that um, he really couldn't control his impulses having been uh, put into this body, which was very Viking, whatever that meant. Uh, He didn't know if it was cultural or genetic, but he had the um, basic impulses to to kill a lot of people, you know, to kill. So, yeah, Yeah. what what is it? Nature, nurture, what makes us kill, not kill? Um, But I I have a... You said it, sorry, you just said it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just imagine... if, yeah. if it's not even a, a human brain, what if th- they have soul consciousness transfer technology on the Mars basis? Right. So they could literally take the essence of your soul and put it in another body, without, whether that's a clone, a, sorry, a cyborg, or an organically grown new body in, from a Petri dish in these tanks. They could just take your soul and put it in into that body for whatever they need for a mission, then take you out of that body, take your soul and put it back into your sleeping body on Earth. And you wouldn't right. know the difference. Yeah, yeah. Lena just said it right there. Um, that's what I was getting at. Like what they can do is there's um, soul catcher technology. They can transfer your soul into um, a clone body and literally like like – I know I use really silly metaphors, but like, imagine you're like this guy and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a guy, like, I'm a macho guy. And then they put you into like the body of like a 18 year old, you know, like, like little girl. What's, what's interesting, what they've found is that uh, people very much identify with the body. So that soul, that masculine, you know, 40 year old man, if he's an 18 year old girl body, the, what, what trips them out is that the the like matter creates consciousness, but consciousness also creates matter. So mm-hmm. there's this feedback loop that happens where even if you put a grown man, a 40 or 50 year old man in, an, in a teenage girl body, he will start identifying with the teenage girl body. But they were trying to test the limits of that. And now now imagine if you were to take that and now you're doing interspecies. So now you're putting it in a reptilian body aside from gender which uh, there's, there are three different genders, by the way. Um, but um, imagine three different genders, interspecies, and they're mixing different consciousnesses in different bodies, in different genders, at different ages, because ageism in our society also exists. You know, someone that's 90 years old, they're like, oh, well, they're weak, they're dumb. So, I'm sorry, but, you know, ageism, like, oh, they're an old person, they're like 90-year-old man, uh, yeah, right? What if that right. 90-year-old man is actually an incredible martial art expert that actually can push people across the room because he's been studying key energy for 50 years? He's a martial arts guru, and that stupid 18-year-old kid that walks into his, um, you know, his dojo that wants to learn karate, that 90-year-old man just pushes him across the room 
with just a movement. He doesn't even touch the guy. And I've seen that. I've actually seen actual ancient martial artists push people across the moon, uh, across the moon, <laughs> across the room with their key, with their key. Literally, I've seen old, like amazing karate guys, and they're like uh-huh. 89 years old, and these young black belts come in, and these guys just push them across the room, and they barely touch them. So that's what they've been trying to test. They're, right. They've been trying to test the human spirit. And, yeah. and that's the point that we've trying to been we've been trying to make in this whole conversation. I think what we're saying is um, they put uh, humans into different bodies, into different timelines, into different whatever, and um, they're literally just um, doing the soul catcher thing, and they're literally trying to test the human spirit because for some reason um, we seem to have something that a lot of the other races don't in the in the galaxy and in, in the uh, the cosmos. Um, there's something about Earth that's very special, and uh, I'm not a religious person, so I'm not saying we're the chosen people. But uh, all I'm saying is that there is something about the human spirit, and um, there's a weird reason why we have been under the dome, so to speak. Uh, they're k- keeping us as an experiment for a reason, because the universe is actually kind of like Star Wars. There's all these races that interact with each other, but um, for some reason they're keeping us under the time. dome. But let's reschedule the part two for uh, another time, maybe next week or the following week. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today. Hey, Amanda, Kevin, Sasha, Dad, Pager. Thank you very much. Love and blessings and aloha. Till next week. AKA aloha. Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Moscow's freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're screwed. He's filling with adrenaline right now. Whether you know it or not, the heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run. But your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist that 
is mere insanity. And do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting to danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution. Revolution. Radio. Take a look around, kid. What do you see? Homes being foreclosed. People working two, three jobs just to put food on the table and still drowning in debt. Don't get me wrong. This country was founded on great ideals and principles. They've all been ruined by the banks. Open your eyes to the banks that are robbing you. You know who my favorite president was? Who? Thomas Jefferson. Because he saw all of this coming and tried to stop it. He fought the banks. JFK too, and they killed him for The banking institution is more dangerous than an army, he said. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.